Welcome friends, Lost Garf here, and it's time for the Kirby Dreamcast. There's going to be a podcast all about Kirby with me, Lost Garf. If those of you don't know who I am, I am a huge fan of Kirby. Oh my god. Kirby was my first Game Boy game back in the day. I was a kid, I really enjoyed it, and I've played so many Kirby games ever since. Kirby's my favorite Nintendo mascot. Probably my favorite character in general. Definitely love Kirby so very much. I've got way too many Kirby plushies, way too many Kirby things. It's a little pink up in here, that's for dang sure. I just, big fan, big fan of Kirby. So, this podcast is going to be all about Kirby. We're going to do stuff like, we'll have like focuses on Sakurai, focus on Iwata, other people who were responsible for Kirby being made. We'll talk about every single game for sure. A lot of just did you know stuff as well. Besides just talking about the games themselves, my thoughts on them, stuff like that. But a main through line we're going to have as well is we're going to go over the entire Kirby Right Back At Ya series. That's 100 episodes right there. In Japanese, it was called Hoshino Kirby, which is Kirby of the Stars. And this first episode is going to go over episode one of Right Back At Ya. Going to go over just like a summary of the entire show, interesting facts and stuff about the episode itself. And it should be a lot of fun. I really... I've been wanting to do this podcast for like a year or so, and we're going to do this thing, and I'm going to stick to it. It's going to be great, and oh my god, it's I think it's going to be fun. I, I'm really enjoying watching the show. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I'm going to enjoy playing all the games again. I own nearly all the games. The only ones I don't have are the the 3DS, not 3 the the 2DS ones. The 2DS and the advanced ones are the only ones I don't own, but emulators do exist, so there's that, but... The plan is to play every single Kirby game as we go, and there'll be episodes focused on them. So, like, the original Kirby, and then 2, and then the NES one, and so on and so forth. But let's get going with Kirby Right Back At Ya. So, Kirby Right Back At Ya was an anime made in Japan in 2001. It was called Kirby of the Stars, or Hoshino Kirby. It came to the US in 2002 under 4Kids. Some of you might know who 4Kids are. They heavily censor animes when they bring them over, which a lot of people don't like. But there is some charm about 4Kids. There is a lot of censorship, and you'll see... Some violence that is going to be cut out of the Kirby cartoon, but there's actually still a lot of violence still in there. And like blood and certain things get edited out. Not a lot in Kirby, but in other animes, which you might know them from Yu-Gi-Oh! and stuff like that, or even Pokemon. The show is considered an alternate universe version of Kirby, though. Like, you'll see a lot of elements in this that are from the games, but it is like just different way they do some things. It's going to be a little bit weird here and there. So, they, so the games in this are separate universes, but the show did have influences on the games for sure going forward. This show, if you didn't know, came out a little bit after Kirby 64. From what I can tell so far, there aren't really any elements from 64 in this. Like, there's no ribbon or Adeline or any of that stuff. But as far as the games before 64, they definitely have influences on the show. As I said before, the show lasted 100 episodes. The story's conclusion was in 2003 for Japan. In the US, it took as long as 2006. It took a while to get there. And I know I've only, when I was a kid, seen maybe half the episodes. So I'm really excited to see episodes I'd never saw before. And revisiting episodes, I did see. I'm really excited about that. So the first episode is called Kirby Comes to Capitown. The show opens with a star wipe on Tokikori. Uh, on Takori, is how you pronounce his name. Sleeping in his nest, and we see a farm of sheep. That gets attacked by a giant octopus. We all know how this is going to go. So a farmer comes out, and there's just sheep bones everywhere everywhere like it's there's just so many sheep bones it's crazy and octopus just flies away back to ddd's castle this is four kids i didn't expect us to see che uh, sheep corpses all over the dang place surprised they didn't just cut to the octopus flying away after it grabbed the sheep but there it is right after that is the opener kirby 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 i didn't know that was the name of the song it's called kirby 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 and it's such a good song i love this song like so an interesting thing about the opener and the sound in general is aside from kirby's voice everything is new they made a new opener, new music, new sound effects, 
none of it's from the original anime. If you were to watch the show and then watch the original anime, you'll just, there's tonal differences in just how the music's played. Just everything's so different. Like, watching the first episode in Japanese and watching it in English, just to compare it personally, there's just things that it just feels a lot calmer and easygoing in the Japanese version, where it's a little bit more amped up in the American version for sure. The visual elements of the first Japanese opener, which is called Kirby March, are in the American opener. The music was more circus and parade-like, which is why you see so much circus stuff in the opener. It even has a point where Kirby is juggling as a clown, which I think has got to be an influence on 3DS Kirby Clown Kirby. This opener also shows what happens to Kirby a lot in the anime in general, which is life kicking Kirby around. There is a second opener which started episode 71 for the Kirby anime, which is also pretty great. They talk about the tambourine of dreams, and it's... Uh, it just tickles me that it's, I think they're calling Kirby the Tambourine of Dreams, and I'm like, that's an interesting name for Kirby, because he gets beat a lot, just like a tambourine. So Kirby 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 was made by Norman J. Grossfield and Ralph Shuckett. Now, Norman J. Grossfield, this is interesting, was at one point the president of four kids. He wrote the scripts for every Pokemon movie up to 2005. He was the songwriter for Pokemon, Cubix, Yu-Gi-Oh!, Kirby, Sonic X, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2003. Ralph Shuckett was the senior composer for 4Kids, so he worked on all of their projects. Like, all of them. Everything from 4Kids music-wise was this dude. Unfortunately, I was trying to find the credits for just the people who played instruments and the singers, and there's nothing. There is nothing at all. It's very unfortunate, because the main singer dude for Right Back At You for Kirby Kirby Kirby, it's so good, and there's no credit for him, and it's unfortunate. It really is. This is probably my favorite opener. I like all three Kirby openers. This is my favorite one, probably because it's so fun, and it's just... Really amps you up for the show. So back to the show. Next up, we get to see Kirby, and he's just sleeping and flying along space. But gets warped to Popstar, where we get the classic gif of him excitedly jumping in his ship. Like, you see that all the time. He's just like, ah, Popstar, and he's just really happy and excited to see the place. But here's the interesting thing about this. Kirby showing up is the first scene in the Japanese version, with the Octopus showing up after the title card. Four kids switched things around because they thought showing the monster first would be more interesting. I can see this because... The episode starts with a star wipe, but for the Japanese version, it's the Kirby March, Kirby Warping the Pop Star, the title card, then a star wipe to the Octopus Monster. So you can see that edit right there, if you kind of pay attention there. Now, I'm not going to go too deep on Japanese differences, just when it's more interesting stuff. If we go full circle here and go all the way to Japanese versions, then we'll go deeper there. Like, say, after like 100 episodes, if we watch all of English Kirby, and we decide to go back to watch Japanese Kirby, just to go over the differences, we'll go deeper on that stuff for the more minute details. But cutting from the monster showing up and going to Didi's castle, you end up at Didi's castle with Escargoon arguing with the villagers. Something I really enjoy about the 4Kids cartoons back in the day was how they had fun with the dialogue. The villagers say they saw a giant monster with a big appetite come to the castle, and Escargoon says that it's just King Didi. For the Japanese version, he just tells them they're wrong. That's it. But the English version has fun with it, and I like that. And there's going to be a lot of puns in this, and I like puns, so really appreciate the writing in this show. And here's our introduction to King 3DD. They experimented with a lot of 3D and 2D in this anime. It was 2001, after all, so 3D isn't perfect. The only characters who get the 3D treatment are King DDD, Escargoon, Kirby, in the future it'll be Dynablade, and certain monsters will also be 3D'd as well. So it's pretty interesting to see the 3D. It will clash here and there. It sometimes will fit, but for the most part, it was is going to clash with the 2D. But I like that they experimented with it, and sometimes it looks pretty good. After meeting King DDD for the first time in the show, then you get to meet Tiff and Tuff and their parents, Sir Ebram and Ladylike, which is a funny name, say Ladylike. They accuse Escargoon of lying, which he responds with saying their parents should slap them. 
Sir Abram mentions that King Dedede does like his monsters, and Escargoon gets mad at him since he works for Dedede, so he should be on their side. Escargoon wants to put them in the dungeon, and now we get to meet a southern liar. I mean, King Dedede. We actually get to see him talk now, and they gave him a southern accent. I'm really curious why. There's no indication in anything that King Dedede should have a southern accent, and yet he does. He says it's okay because all he's got is a little octopus in an aquarium and laughs off their accusations. Tiff looks at the octopus in the aquarium accusingly with the weirdest dumb face I've ever seen, and the octopus looks back angry. Then the villagers show up over at Kaboo. So if you've played the Kirby games, then you'll recognize Kaboo. Kaboo, and, but maybe not the Cappies. The Cappies are the mushroom enemies that dance around in the game. You suck up their hat first, then you can suck them up. While Kaboo, of course, is that spinning Moai head thing. While Tiff and Tuff and their parents are completely new, they're a new species in this show, they're not actually anything from the game. And so they're just, they're just there for, well, to give Kirby friends later in the show. Now, Falala and Fololo, you may recognize as Lalala and Lolalo from the first Kirby game. They are the second boss of that game. They're trying to kill Kirby, he kills them back instead. But they are actually old properties from Hal. Hal made games for the computer called Agerland. They actually made nine games across the years between computer, NES, and Game Boy, and I also believe Super Nintendo. And there were Agerland games or Adventures of Lolo games. So these guys are here, but they're very minor characters who are servants of Tiff and Tuff in the Japanese version. In the English version, they're just friends. So they're all there to go to Kaboo for advice, and he tells them that King Dedede has been summoning monsters with the help of the company Nightmare Enterprises, or NME. They ask what they can do, and Kaboo's like, you guys can't do anything. <laughs> this is, of course, distresses them, but he tells them that a star warrior named Kirby is coming to help. Tiff imagines an attractive warrior is coming, and that, of course, is not going to go well for her. But King Dedede and Escargoon show up in a tank and threaten to kill Kaboo, telling him he's lying and that they're going to shoot him. Kaboo says, I can see the future, and you're not going to shoot. And they're like, no, nah, no, nah, we're about to shoot, what are you talking about? But he's proven right, because as they're about to fire, a star falls from the sky. It's Kirby! At about six minutes in the show, Kirby's ship crashes into Dreamland and wrecks some sheep and stops short of falling off a cliff. These poor sheep don't have a very good day. Everyone comes to the crash, and Kirby falls out. King Dedede's the first one to see him, and he picks him up and immediately goes to crush him with his mallet. Tiff interrupts and asks if he's Kirby. Kirby recognizes his name and repeats it, immediately shattering Tiff's dreams of a handsome hero showing up. Everyone is incredulous at this point. No one believes Kirby, this little pink ball, is the hero. So King Dedede steps on Kirby and croquets him off a cliff. I'm tempted to do a count, and let's just do it for now. A baby getting beaten count. Kirby just showed up in his first minute of being on Popstar, gets knocked off a cliff with a mallet. Everyone's upset with King Dedede, but he says Kirby's probably the monster eating the sheep, so they all leave. But Tiff, Tuff, and their servants, Fololo and Falala, go down the cliff to check on Kirby. While trying to find Kirby, Tiff slips off the cliff and falls. We get to see Kirby suck in some air to do flying Kirby, and he catches Tiff. Now here's the thing, if not for Kirby catching Tiff, she was going to have the most gruesome death. She barely misses falling on top of a spike if Kirby did not, like, she would have gone full-on impale by a spike if Kirby didn't catch her. It's like, damn, this show is, uh, this show is unexpected what it does. With this, Kirby proves to the group that he's not a monster, but they doubt he's the hero. Because Kirby's a baby, he doesn't have much attention span, so while they're trying to talk to him, he just runs off and sees Cappy Town. So now we're introduced to Cappy Town. It's a nice little town there. And then while running around, Kirby bumps into Tiff. And Tiff is just Sundara's F at Kirby. It's very weird how Sundara she is towards Kirby. Everyone tells Kirby their name, and to their surprise, Kirby actually says their names back. This is the only episode where Kirby does not say Poyo, by the way. 
They use an English voice actress named Amy Burnbaum? Burnbaum? She is the voice of Spikehead and Mabel in later episodes. Mabel's the, uh, the gypsy. You may recognize her as Tia Gardner from Yu-Gi-Oh! and a bajillion voices in Pokemon over the years. She's done like 50 voices in Pokemon. She's also the voice of Cosmo and Charmy B in Sonic X. So she did quite a bit of work for four kids at the time. So after they share a laugh together, King Dedede shows up in his tank and they attack Kirby. So adding to the count now number two, because Kirby gets straight up run over by the tank. Well, not run over. He gets hit with the tank and gets bounced away by getting hit with the tank. And he falls down a hill. And then King Dedede actually shoots him point blank with a tank shell. Kirby gets hit with a tank shell, does not die, but gets wrecked again. And he starts shooting Kirby as Kirby's running away and blasts Kirby into a melon patch. That's two times Kirby has been harassed very badly, and this is probably the first five, ten minutes of Kirby's time at Popstar. It is not a good time for Kirby. But somehow Tiff and Tuff get ahead of the tank, and they throw watermelons at King Dedede and Escargoon, and it makes them leave. The two villains come up with a plan uh, as to what they're going to do to Kirby, and they just get out of there. They find Kirby eating a watermelon hole, and it's of course very cute. Kirby just straight up swallows a watermelon, which of course we're going to see more and more in the show. I actually don't remember if Kirby's favorite food, the, the Maxim Tomato, is in the show, but Kirby has a very big penchant for eating watermelons in the show for sure. So they cut to that night at the mayor's house, and everyone welcomes Kirby to the town. They have a big feast ready, and Kirby, of course, eats it all up. All the silverware and plates and bones. So Kirby can eat things and pick out things that are not edible and push them back out of his mouth, which is very interesting. And actually, in a later episode, we'll see how Kirby actually does that, which is... Very interesting indeed when you see it. That'll be in episode 5. So everyone's just surprised to see Kirby just eat everything. Tuff is sad because he wanted to eat and he knew he should have eaten sooner. And Tiff gets mad at Kirby because what the heck, that's pretty rude. But Kirby pays no mind and senses something and leaves. Tiff and Tuff follow him to find a pile of sheep bones. More dead sheep. Sheep get it really rough in the first episode. Holy crap. They think Kirby did it after seeing what they just saw. And they try to hide him from the authorities in a barn because, well, someone just ate all these sheep. They hide him in a sack and try to lie to Sword and Blade about Kirby's whereabouts. Now, Sword and Blade are randomly very British, which is, I don't know why, but they are. And Sword Knight and Blade Knight are both enemies from as far back as Kirby's adventure. You'll recognize them very quickly once you see them. They're usually enemies you eat to get the sword ability. But then Antonio freaking Banderas shows up. No, this isn't Meta Knight. We haven't seen him take his mask off. It's totally Antonio Banderas. He shows up. He's got a Mexican accent. And you're like, why does he have a Mexican accent? Because why not? Actually... In the Japanese version, whenever Midnight shows up, they play that Mexican guitar strum that you typically hear in just shows and anything, just to tell you they're kind of like Mexican. And so because of that, Four Kids is inferred from that to just give him a Mexican accent, I suppose. In Japanese, he's just got a regular guy accent. He doesn't have like a gruff accent or anything. He's just got a regular Japanese dude accent. It's, it's interesting, their choice there. So he shows up, Midnight shows up, doesn't believe the kids, and Tiff is standing in front of the sack where they're hiding Kirby, and Kirby's like wiggling around to make it very obvious he's in there. And Meta Knight straight up whips out his sword and lunges his sword at Tiff, which scares her. She jumps out of the way, and the sword hits the sack. Which, you know, totally murders Kirby. But it doesn't. I guess it's a little above Kirby, because he lifts the sack up off Kirby, and the two lock eyes, and Kirby says, It's true. And leaves. Like, they lock eyes, the world just disappears around the two of them, and he realizes, It's a Star Warrior. There's a Star Warrior here. Kirby's here. And so he walks away. And the kids ask Midnight not to tell King Dedede, and he replies that the king isn't the problem. They need to find the real monster. Because they were they're searching for the monster, and they thought Kirby was a monster. But seeing Kirby, he knows it's not the monster. He's actually a Star Warrior. Which makes you wonder, what does Meta Knight know? Then an explosion happens at the castle, and Kirby, being the heroic type, rushes to the castle. 
We see what the explosion was caused by, though, and that's Escargoon and King Dedede are actually trying to repair the ship. If they can't kill Kirby, then they can have him fly away. That's the plan there. King Dedede finds Kirby's warp star and decides to keep it. As he leaves, Kirby flies over. We get to see Fly Kirby again, and he finds that the warp star is missing. Kirby looks for it, can't find it, looks at Escargoon, Escargoon's like, eh, I don't know where the hell it is. And so Kirby runs off looking for it. Going back to King Dedede, he's mad at the Octopus and Nightmare Enterprises about his little monster. They tell him the monster will be useful in time, and he says fine. Like, just like that. It's, it's a way for us to be introduced to Nightmare Enterprises, I suppose. So we know that he is getting the monsters from a place, and just a little introduction to the villains. So King Dedede's like, alright, fine, and he just stares at the octopus, and the octopus is actually really mad at King Dedede for thinking it ain't nothing. And it actually takes over King Dedede. When Kirby shows up, he gets attacked. This is count number three on a baby getting beaten, because King Dedede straight up hits Kirby with the hammer, and he flies around and gets hit into a bunch of walls. Kirby still is not dead, though, thankfully, and Kirby runs away of King Dedede, and the king crashes into a pillar and drops the warp star. Tiff picks it up, wondering what the heck it is. As that happens, the pillar King Dedede crashed into falls towards Tiff and Tuff, and Antonio Banderas pushes them out of the way. Fortunately, he's not Piccolo, so he doesn't get crushed by the pillar because he moved out of the way with them. This earns Tiff's trust. Then the octopus gets huge and scares Kirby. It's interesting to see a scared Kirby, because that does happen, but it's quite a rare thing to see. Midnight explains that the octopus was controlling King Dedede. How does he know that? He's, I guess he's just guessing there. We cut to the villagers. Now, here's the interesting thing. It next cuts to the villagers outside with pitchforks and torches as the octopus is expanding in Stroney Castle. This leads to a question. Why? <laughs> what are the villagers doing? Why did they have pitchforks and torches at the ready when the monster suddenly appears? Were they going to go after King Dedede? Were they a, a mob doing drills? Were they looking for Kirby? Like, they got pitchforks and torches. They're... They're ready for something when they shouldn't be anything at the moment. I, I guess they were looking for Kirby. Med Knight and his crew go into action to fight the monster, but they don't do very well. Everyone runs away, but Tiff and Tuff get trapped by the octopus. Kirby runs into action to protect them and gets beaten for the fourth time in this episode by mini octopuses that pop out of the big one. King Dedede now is happy about buying the monster since it's wrecking Kirby. Now here's something very interesting though is Kirby starts to change to a shade of green and then gets crushed by a boulder. He tries to get back up, but gets slapped down by a mini-octopus. This is the only time we're ever going to see green Kirby. Well, on several abilities that might make him green. This idea was to have him go green to show he's low on stamina. The Warp Star also goes green when it happens to him as well. But they don't do that anymore going forward. Meta Knight notices the star in his hands and tells her it's the source of Kirby's power. What? Why is it- what? For some reason, the Warp Star is the source of Kirby's power in this show. In the games, it's just a star uses the warp around, but in the anime, it's the source of his power. Not, not just Kirby himself, it's the star. That's, it's a really odd choice, but okay. Kirby gets up to keep fighting because that's Kirby for you, and rushes to the big monster. He's chased by a bunch of the minis. Tiff runs after Kirby to help somehow. Kirby gets to the top of a tower, and this is a really cool shot right here. The giant octopus just grabs and crushes the tower. It looks so cool. The beast just looks so big and intimidating. It is... Just, I like that shot a lot right there. So Kirby's just stuck at the top of this broken tower, and he's looking into a very bad situation. But Tiff shows up at the top of a different tower, and she shows him the Warp Star. So Kirby sees the Warp Star, and this, for some reason, just gets him excited, and he starts using his inhale ability. Then the music plays a sweet guitar lick, and a bunch of triumphant trumpet noises, as Kirby starts to eat all the minis. Like, just seeing the star just inspires Kirby to get to work, because I guess he knows his, his source of power is, is protected, so he just goes crazy and starts sucking them up. He eats all the mini-octos, so the octopus starts launching fire rockets at Kirby, and he kicks them away. 
Then it fires more at Kirby, and Kirby eats them, becomes Fire Kirby! I love the transformations in this anime. I really enjoy them a lot. I like how some are a little slapstick, like the frying pan and the sword. But Fire Kirby just looks really cool. And Meta Knight again explains that Kirby can copy enemy attacks and transform. Meta Knight knows a lot. The monster uses fire attacks on Kirby, but it does nothing. He's Fire Kirby now. So Kirby fires fire back, and it hurts the octopus. Then Tiff, for some reason, throws the star at Kirby, and he jumps on it like a Nimbus cloud and flies around on it and avoids the monster's attacks, eventually finding a big fire breath that blasts the monster into the sky. Kirby then lands back on the castle and everyone but King Dedede is happy about it. Also, I guess we're just to assume he murdered that octopus, or the, the octopus is just gone and won't bother them again, I guess. It's someone else's bad day, I guess. Then we cut to Nightmare Enterprises watching the whole thing and noting that Kirby is indeed a Star Warrior. So we're getting a little bit more introduction to the villains of the show. Then it's the next morning, it's been pretty much 24 hours for Kirby at this point, and the ship's been repaired, and the villagers see Kirby off. But Tiff is extremely soon there at Kirby again. She's like, she doesn't like goodbyes, so she just treats him coldly. Kirby's extremely sad about this, and he goes to get on a ship to leave. Kirby just looks really sad while he's leaving. Tiff and Tuff chase after the, the ship, saying thanks for saving them and everything. But here's a question. Who fixed the ship? Apparently it was in fact Escargoon, because as he flies away, Escargoon activates a bomb he planted on Kirby's ship, and it blows up the ship but it doesn't destroy everything, so Kirby falls from the sky and crashes into King Dedede and Escargoon. Kirby falls from the explosion okay, and King Dedede makes my favorite pun. And that is, I do believe I've been starstruck. I love that joke! He then attacks Escargoon for doing such a bad job. Kirby has been hurt many times in the show, so I want to make that the fifth count. Kirby gets blown up by Escargoon. That is a five count of the bad things that have happened to Kirby today in this episode, and it's only been like 24 hours for Kirby. And yet Kirby still is that shipper little guy. So everyone laughs and says Kirby's stuck on Popstar and offered to have him stay with them. And Kirby cheers and says his name repeatedly, and Star Outro happens on Kirby. Then it's the closer. We'll talk about the closer next episode, since we talked about the opener this episode. So the first episode of Kirby is very interesting. We get introduced to a lot of the concepts of the show, but there are some mysteries like, why does Midnight know so much about Kirby? And what about this Nightmare Enterprise and stuff like that? Right Back At you is kind of like the Meyer Brothers movie, honestly. It has a lot of the elements of the source material, but used in a lot of different and inaccurate ways. Still, this first episode was very enjoyable, and I couldn't wait to see the next episode, so I did watch it right after, and we'll be talking about that in the next episode. And I just really enjoy the show. It's a very cute show, good slapstick. I like the American version because of the puns. Like, the Japanese version has its own way of being funny, but the American version, like, you can watch both and enjoy it for different reasons. That's something I really appreciate about this. Four kids didn't just straight up translate it. They had they made it their own a bit, and they had these fun puns, and just interesting references, and I think it's very enjoyable because of that. Some things I didn't mention earlier is, King Dedede's tank is military-colored in Japanese version. They colored it to be more like King Dedede with, in its color scheme, just how it looks. And I think that's pretty good. I, I like it better, because it's just a boring military tank in the anime, in the Japanese version, but in the English version, it's got more to it, and I like that. They never name drop it in the dub, but the octopus's name is Octacon. Apparently this is one of the few episodes where Kirby goes into action without others telling him to. I think this is because multiple times in the show in general, whenever trouble happens, Tiff and Tuff tell Kirby to do the inhaling first. Kirby doesn't just straight up do it, they tell him to do it. Like, Kirby, I guess because he's a baby, doesn't realize he should be attacking, so he usually gets beat up quite a bit. And that's all the interesting notes about the first episode of Kirby right back at you. Something else to note is there will be times when the episodes are in a different order from the Japanese version, and when that happens, I'll note that as well. And that's everything about Right Back at you, Episode 1. I really 
I enjoyed this. I enjoyed it a lot. I'm really excited for this podcast because it's an excuse to watch every episode of Right Back At You, an excuse to play every game of Kirby, an excuse to just enjoy Kirby. And who doesn't like that? I, I'm a huge fan of Kirby. I can't wait to talk more about Kirby going forward. And I hope everyone enjoys this. If you're a fan of Kirby, I hope you like this a lot. And of course, get feedback on just everything in general about this podcast because I want to make it enjoyable while being edu- not educational, but informational. Because we're learning a lot about Kirby and just interesting facts here and there. Eventually, we'll have an episode on the first game of Kirby and we'll have an episode on Sakurai specifically. Like, talk about his career up to now. That'll be a fun one as well. Talk about Iwata. Talk about just all the things. Just how did Kirby come to be? I'm excited for this because there's going to be a lot of research involved. That means learning a lot about Kirby that things that I know a lot of things, but there's also things I don't know and I can't wait to learn about them. Because Kirby has been my favorite for how long has Kirby been around? Like 25 plus years now because they had the collection. And I'm excited. This is going to be a lot of fun. So that right there is the Kirby Dreamcast. I had fun talking. Hope you have fun listening. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Having fun. Thanks for coming by and see you next time.